0: This podcast is a part of the Carbon Almanac Network of Podcasts.
1: Hi, I'm Christina. I'm from Prague. Hi, I'm Jen and I'm from Canada.
0: Hi, I'm Ola Banji and I'm from Nigeria.
1: Hello, I'm Liki and I live in Paris. Hi, I'm Brian and I'm from New York.
2: Welcome to Carbon Sessions a podcast with carbon conversations for every day, with everyone, from everywhere in the world. In our conversations, we share ideas, perspectives, questions, and things we can actually do to make a difference. So don't be shy and join our carbon sessions, because it's not too late.
3: Hi, I'm Christina.
1: Hi, I'm Jen.
0: Hi, I'm um, Banji.:
3: And hi, I'm Leakey.
4: Today, I would like to share a paper that I found, I came across on the discourses of climate delay. And it's a very serious paper that has been researched by the University of Cambridge. So this paper is quite interesting because it kind of analyzes the discourses. And uh, by discourses, I would put in bracket excuses of climate delay. What does it mean um discourses of climate delay is those people, and when I mentioned people, it could be people, organizations, companies, associations, whatever you want, that recognize that there is a problem with climate change, but they don't want to do anything and all they think that there's nothing we can do. And it's quite interesting to look at how the discourses are framed and you know I think it's uh, quite interesting to understand that and um to recognize this pattern and um understand what we can do to address this kind of discourses these courses are organized and this is something that christina call it a will is a will a pie well is a will a pie so they, uh, they are classified in in four categories one of the categories is redirect responsibility and what what does it mean redirect uh responsibility is those people who say okay well, there's a problem with climate change but i'm doing enough or i didn't do it i didn't do it i didn't it's not my problem i didn't create that and um, therefore i don't want to change the way i behave the way i produce the way i consume people who adhere to the idea of direct responsibility. Another way of redirecting responsibility could also be the free rider excuses. And um, the free rider excuses is, okay, well, I don't need to do anything. I don't need to do anything because other people would be doing it. Therefore, I would benefit from the impact of what other people would do. But I think that if we all have this kind of discourses,
1: Nobody will take action. We will not solve the climate problem.
0: Yeah,
1: it sounds a little bit like the "What's in it for me?"
4: This is individualism. Yeah, "What's in it for me?" The question is that: Have you ever had a discussion with people, organizations, or companies that have this kind of discourse and say, "Yeah, well, it's remember those are the the people who recognize it's a problem but not doing anything." So. How does it make you feel? And what do you answer? How do you respond?
3: I have been thinking about where people are coming from. So when they have the individualism, whataboutism, and the free rider excuse, where where did it start it? So when somebody goes there, I try to talk about something else and redirect it to what they're already doing in a group of uh, people or in the organization and how really they're involved anyway, even though they don't think they are.
1: Um, I was just going to say on, on this topic, I'm looking at the, the wheel or the pie or the chart. Um, I've, I've heard people say about airplanes, well, the airplanes are going there anyway and i don't know if that fits in this category but it seems like it's a good excuse for why it's okay to hop on flights to go places all the time is that you know such and such is far worse than me hopping on a plane or such and such is far worse than me driving my car etc i think it fits
4: in this category but what do you respond how do you respond to this kind of remark
1: It depends probably on who it is, because sometimes it feels like there's no point. (laughs) If I know the person is super entrenched, um, if it's if there is any kind of window of saying, well, you know, every little bit helps. Um, Maybe if if everyone did a little bit, this would be different I go back to the leaf blowers. I'm looking at leaf blowers blowing leaves all over the place and just ah, so frustrating. Um, And I tell everybody I know how bad those things are, (laughs) (laughs) but I think I have to do something more than that because that's not very effective. So,
4: yeah, I think maybe, you know, you telling people um, your impact will be one on one, but maybe if you, you managed to uh, convince your municipality to ban leaf blowers, that will be a much more effective impact, much bigger impact. Yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah. That's true. Because
4: sometimes people don't want to change. That's the problem. It's convenient, right? Yeah. Yes. It's lying from one place to another. It's so convenient.
3: It feels like that everybody's overwhelmed with other things so they don't want to add another thing on top of their
0: hmm, yeah
3: other commitments. I mean
0: I, I think we've had this we've talked about this before on the podcast that people actually hardly change. Most people resist change and for the most part combating the climatic uh, situation right now would actually require a bit of change. So alluding to or just making a comment on what you said about airplanes, someone might say, just like you said, well, the planes fly either way. Either I fly or do not fly. Most likely would not reduce the amount of carbon emissions in the atmosphere. Perhaps a great reply to the person would be, if you do not fly, and you tell people why you don't fly, perhaps we'll have enough people that would not fly that frequently. And that's what I told my sister some days back. It's like, well, yeah, maybe it wouldn't count, like be very, very hugely significantly impactful that you don't do it or you don't get an award for not doing it. Nobody sees or recognizes you in any special kind of way. But you will be making a significant change if you even take it a step further and tell people what you did not do and the reasons why you didn't do them. And maybe that gets one more person on board. And if that person gets one more person on board, sooner or later, we would be better off. I saw an interview where the interviewee was asking a former American president so i wouldn't say his name well was well, a former American president the interviewer though <laughs> not the interviewee uh the former president was the interviewee and he was asking about how he would feel today about the climate crisis and he he actually gave an intelligent response he says he said it feels bad depressing to some extent but He's he's hopeful because when you look at it, the world has recovered from very dire situations in, I mean, years and years back. And so it's not something that we can't recover from. And if we tell each other, which is the great thing about what he said, he said, if we tell each other, if the temperature were to go just one degree centigrade less, that could be a thousand a hundred thousand a million lives saved just from the maybe five two three five ten percent decrease in the temperature that it could have significant impact on the lives of people so what we're doing is is not for nothing just just saying that as far as replies go um uh, yeah like you you want to do you want to go to the next one
4: well, actually, what you, the example you just gave, uh, makes me want to jump to the next one, which is, uh, some people, again, people, organizations or companies or, uh, association believe the change will be too disruptive. And so there will be downsides of change because, of course, for every kind of change, uh, there are upsides and downsides. Those kind of people believe that the the downside will be too 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 much, and society as a whole will not be able to integrate all the downside. And so, those may want to find the perfect policy, the perfect solution that will be inclusive for everybody, and um, that that nobody will be left out if we implement this new solution, because. That's true, because um climate change is a big problem. It might require some real drastic transformation of society. If you look at the history, uh therefore all any revolution it's always been difficult for society. Yeah. So this kind of thinking is that we don't do that because it will be too disruptive and um some people will be left out. I don't know if you have ever encountered this kind of
1: discourses. Well, all change hurts, right? All change hurts. But any great leap forward for humanity has involved loss and grief and struggle and learning. And you just think about, you know, the internet, how many people were suspicious. Think about the radio, how many people were suspicious, (laughs) right? And, oh, I'm never going to do that. And the people that hold out, uh, until they have to be dragged into it out of complete necessity. It's really, really difficult to book a hotel room to do anything without the internet. I'm not talking about
4: suspicion because um, it's, it's, um, it's change that it's just not socially inclusive or economically inclusive, it does not include everybody. So there will be some people that will be on the wrong sides of change.
1: Right, but what I'm what I mean by that is that it it the disruption is so big to try and do what we want to do, it feels so big to some people that it's too much to even try because you will get that camp of people who are not wanting to come along. Right, anytime there's a change, there's the people out front, hey, let's do it. Yeah, there's the people in the middle that go along, and there's the people you have to drag into it. <laughs> And it's just, it can be massive. And so sometimes it's too much work to do that disruption. It's a bit of a laissez-faire attitude, right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I think the other thing is excuses, right? And, and I think this is partly what this part of the will is also about. It's about excuses to not do what is needed or what is right, if that makes any sense. So disruptive change is not necessary. So, I mean, that's how they think about it. Um, Because they mostly want to remove themselves from the equation or from the idea that there's an impact that I can have. And so part of it is the technological optimisms. It's like, let's focus on what technology brings and let's continue to adapt to that or lean on the breakthroughs of technology or the second part, which is, which actually sticks out to me a lot. It's like all talk and very, very tiny action or no action at all. So we explain things away with some big grammar, like, like I know someone (laughs) does, (laughs) uh, reminds we're
4: not <laughs> finger pointing okay
0: yeah man. No, but
4: it was no not not doing that because it's so easy to do that <laughs>
0: yeah man I, I I know someone that he just explains things he's so great at explaining things uh speaks big like big English if, if that's any word <laughs> but never does anything never does anything like if if he tells you it's morning, you need to open the curtain and check if it's morning outside. So, <laughs> so, so you're sure that you're not being deceived. But he he'll beautifully tell you it's morning, the cock has just crawled, the sun's just shining, and you're like, Oh, let me check. And then you see it's night, nice, it's not action. And so it's all talk and and little action. But I think one of the things that they do not realize or one of the things that sponsors this kind of reaction to climate discourses or which maybe sponsors the delay on their end is the idea that the change has to be very big and the change is something that they can't make so they try to mentally stand up to it whilst practically not actually do it so They, I mean, they see the change as something very big. So, but what what might be helpful on their end is to let them know that, well, it's, it can start as simple as insulating your house properly or telling your friends to do certain things or offering to shop for the next, your next door neighbor or not using leaf blowers or lawnmowers or using electric ones or, starting a food forest instead of a garden. Like, it's not that hard. There's a thousand and one things you can start to do that will make people start to question you. You do things differently. Why are you doing them like this? Well, because I care about the climate or because this is happening and I think there's something we can do to combat it. And maybe these are the advantages of it. And people will learn from each other as, as humanity. When someone does something, um we sort of want to Im- imitate that especially if it's something that's worthy of emulation um so yeah that's that's the that's the other thing i think one key thing there is to consider the change to be like some really huge thing that can only be captured in grammar rather than um action so <laughs> I'll tell them when I come across them to start small, start from where they are, consider yeah. something tiny that they can change and maybe work their way up from there.
1: I agree because people don't think they can have much effect. But if everyone did something, yeah, it's huge. Yeah, that reminded me of uh, an
3: example of people, one family in Calgary in typical neighborhood, that had just the typical short grass in front of the houses. They started permaculture garden, the food forest you were talking all about, and uh, they had some push against them. But in I would say in about two seasons, people started realizing how wonderful it is, and uh, and they kind of transferred the whole neighborhood that started looking at the permaculture and food forest ideas and that it can look beautiful in the city. So, yeah, I love these little examples that make it happen.
4: And and sometimes I think we overlook the downsides of change and um, it's not true. It's like, you know, I don't know about uh, how it's like in your countries, but maybe 20 years ago, organic food was considered, okay, it's something very important to have, to eat healthy foods. But organic was not an option, especially for canteens for school, because it was deemed too expensive. It's something that we couldn't do, we couldn't afford. But now, I think more and more canteens have converted into organic produce. And um, I think this kind of practices start to spread in other areas as well like you know even non organic food growers start to use those small organic practices in their food production so i would say to complete what um what we have shared here is that we might overlook the importance of change the other thing is that it doesn't have to be that big the the third thing i would say is that just starts doing something might give ideas to other people because you can be an inspiration whether you are a person or a company or a or a country. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it yes. can be that's contagious. A con- contagious. That's
0: a, that's a really beautiful way to put it. It's actually <laughs> contagious. And I think one of the best parts of taking little actions is being proud of it and actually talking about it. Because talking about it Indoctrinates others. They might not listen the first time. If you have a beautiful food forest, for example, and someone comes to your house and you offer them a nice fruit, and they're like, "Oh, this tastes great. Where did you get it from?" Or this is really fresh. You know, it's like, "Well, I have a food forest behind, or somewhere around the house, and that's how I got it." Um, for the sake of you know being in vogue as well, or doing something nice, just like you did, they would sort of be inspired to do similar. So I think it's also being proud to talk about it. It's probably the most important part, to be honest. Like if nobody asks you, go ahead and talk about it. Start the conversation. (laughs) Oh, I mean, I'm just thinking about it. It might seem weird going to a neighbor and saying, hey, man, let, let me shop for you this week what what do you want to buy (laughs) make me a list (laughs) (laughs) okay sorry sorry what's going on (laughs) And, and and they go well thanks for the kindness but no i like shopping myself it's like why do you want to shop for me and and even if you don't end up shopping for that neighbor if they ask why and you get a chance to explain why even if they don't let you do the shopping, it's still a win because now you have just told one more person about climate change, what's possible and certain things that should be done. And so that's that's probably even more impactful than, than the shopping because you just planted a seed, if that makes any sense. It'd be pretty weird anyway for a neighbor to walk up to me and say, let me shop for you. <laughs> I'd, be like, I'd be like, hold up, hold up. <laughs> yeah
1: but there are there are many examples um like that for sure yeah i am i heard a story the other day um three of our kids work in the film industry two of them were telling they worked on the same set and they were telling me this story they have food provided for them um all the time um, they've got um, snacks, and then they've got actual meals that they can have at any time, any day, whatever they want. There's a lot of waste. And I guess the food company decided to try Meatless Mondays, which is a thing. And they tried to serve food without meat. Well, there was this entire uprising. <laughs> um, and and my my son and daughter-in-law were quite dismayed and and she got very passionate about it and she said it's one day it's one day you can eat vegetables anyway she <laughs> went off she was just so mad that the whole thing was so upsetting to people because it was one day out of the whole entire week when they got as much as they wanted yeah. but the the organization that made the food was trying to do something small yeah to make a difference. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a long time and a lot of education before you can get people on board, yeah.
0: right? Yeah. Totally agree.
1: I'm glad they tried, and maybe they'll try it again. But <laughs> that's an example of where it it didn't go over that well. <laughs> I think maybe had they done some education first, yeah. it might have worked better.
0: Yeah. yeah. I, I think yeah. the 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 what's good about what they did is next time that happens to any of them, the people that were present there, it will seem less weird. It's like, oh, well, we've been through this before. Just serve the vegetables. We'll eat it. <laughs> yeah.
4: I think you all address kind of addressed um, another category is that disruptive change is not necessary. And those kind of thinking pushes for non-transformative solutions. Like, you know, a small thing, and we talk about grand ideas, but we don't do big Big thing, because it's um because it's too big, and also another reason why some people organizations hide behind this kind of uh, discourses is that they are technologically optimists, so they are waiting for the perfect solution to that will solve everything and so I think this is quite interesting as well, this kind of yeah. thinking yeah, have you ever had this kind of um Conversation, this kind of discourses of someone. Typically, you know, it's like you know we don't, and again we're going back to we're going back to flying. Uh, we don't need to to consider how we go from one place to another. We can keep taking the plane because one day then we will find a solution to fly that will not increase the carbon emission, or they will will find a solution that will absorb enough carbon. So. That's fine. Well, this solution will come or we can, yeah, typically also you have, um, the um, technological optimists who strongly believe that we'll find a solution to solve a problem. Therefore, we don't need to consume less because, um, we have solutions like, you know, nuclear fusion is coming. We have also, uh, energy. Geo- yeah. geothermal energy. Yeah. So we'll, we'll yeah, find yeah. a way to use that and have, um, Unlimited resources of energy.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, and this past week, <laughs> um, Texas has realized, I mean, they got above 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. Hmm? Which is like 40 like something in, in, in Celsius. I think. Yeah. I think it's more, but yeah, it's, it's something big. It's something big. I can't do the conversion, but they were saying you couldn't, you know you could barely go outside it was if you didn't have air conditioning you'd be seriously in trouble and they were talking about um they were interviewing somebody on our our national program about energy consumption and how they're going to have to increase that and 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 not uh strain the grid because it this is just sort of this is june this wasn't even in july or august um and they were talking about how there's not a lot of infrastructure in many places for this kind of temperature. Um, wow.
0: You know,
1: you know, it was a heat dome similar to what we had a couple of years ago that, that we had a, lots of people succumb to. And, um, and so I think in some ways we can push it off and push it off and push it off. But there's evidence around everywhere you look yeah. that you can only push it off for so long before it's going to personally have an impact. Mm.
0: And that makes total sense because one of the reasons that the technological optimists, so to say, are that way is because they do not think that the catastrophe is at a level or relatively imminent. So they might think that it's still far off and would walk away on whatever solution comes. That doesn't require us to stop eating meat before then, but yeah, I, I think that's one of the thing that sponsors that, because when you when you consider that this is bad and it's bad now, it's more motivating to do something about it than when you're told it's like it's way way into the future. I mean, when we we're in school, would would study we we know what. It, Feels like to study for an exam two days to it rather than <laughs> preparing, <laughs> rather than preparing adequately before time. Oh yeah,
4: I, <laughs> I like the analogy. It's it's really nice.
2: Yeah,
0: I mean I know what it's like because What's... I've been in a position where I started preparing for the exam two days to it. Um, <laughs> I was literally reading, like I was I was reading till I Entered the hall and then I dropped the book to go write the exam. It was that bad. Uh <laughs> cramming. <laughs> cramming,
4: yeah. And then when you when you study this way, you don't remember. And the whole point is not to pass the exam. Is the point is to learn the stuff and then yeah. remember for the rest of your life. But yeah, so, but I'm
0: sidetracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So are you saying
1: that we're we're cramming for the climate change? Is that what you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Right. I, I mean, I was there. I I was sweaty. I was tensed. I was scared that I didn't read something, and it was going to come out. And that yeah. happened, man. I, I, I passed by. Um, man, I was hanging on by a thread. I was literally hanging on by a thread. So, it's. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the case for. You can explain something away when it's not in front of you, right? And and this is also particular for, this is also likely to be coming from people that may not have experienced any catastrophe or the impact of climate change firsthand. Because if you have, you likely will be telling a different story.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's happening over there. Yeah. But we're okay. Exactly. I think Christina
4: is burning yeah, to say Christina. something.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you guess that reminded me the technological optimism. I think it was one of the prompts that made us start connecting the carbon dots, connecting the dots on the carbon almanac, because we want to have simple problems, simple solutions, mm. and it never works like that. There's so many other connections. So, For example, the solution, technical solution for sequestering carbon is creating other problems. Or in other industries, they try to solve one thing, but they create more problems in the other, not seeing the whole picture. And it seems like technical solutions are taking care of just one little narrow thing. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: I would like to add something to that, um, to the technological optimist, Uh, because technology adaptation requires some time because you need to research the technology and then deploy it. And by deploying it is that you need to find the application in the industry, make it mainstream, widespread and also build the infrastructure for it and that that will not happen overnight so that that is i think one of the big problems for um for the
1: perfect solution yeah so one drip at a time <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> and, and study study before you write Wait. an exam <laughs> Oh, my God. That rhymed. That rhymed. You're a poet. That you rhymed. Know it. <laughs> One drip at a time. Started before you write your we exams. Absolutely. You absolutely write us Man, a rap. I should be rapping. <laughs> <laughs> I should oh, be oh, a rapper. I should be The carbon, yeah, carbon wrap. Wrap. <laughs> <call them> rap.
4: you rapping, they <laughs>
3: called
0: me rap. A different yeah, kind of rap. Uh, How rap. Are we going to wrap this up?
4: Okay, one last one last category before we wrap up.
3: There we go.
4: This is the the thinking that push that pushes people to surrender because there's kind of thinking that believes that it's not possible to mitigate climate change because it's too late. So why bother trying to do something because it's not possible? We're all gonna die. That that is
2: (laughs) so dark
4: well it's it's doom it's doom and gloom but it has been these causes of <laughs> love people actually some people that in private they will never say it out loud but in private yeah. conversations and i would not name anyone but yeah. i had this kind of conversation with people like, mm. okay well whatever you know we'll die anyway because it's too late so what do you answer that to that kind of um
1: thinking. Yeah. Hope is one of the um intrinsic qualities of humanity <laughs> of anything that's living, actually. And um and I think it's very strong. And so if yeah. there are um having worked intensely with people going through trauma, etc., hope is incredibly hard to extinguish and so if there's any way to help people like that have even a little bit of hope um it might spur on some action i think that would be beautiful
3: if people are for me that's what works when i'm in that state of so you humanism. all sometimes yeah <laughs> uh, i uh i go outside <laughs> yeah and i go outside and just do nothing and just look at yeah. some some natural flower tree, even little flower growing through the concrete. And in few minutes just staring at that, there it's there's so much strength to the life and and the nature that kind of hope creeps in. <laughs> and also
4: taking action. This um, it's, this it's revitalizing me um, to the um, conversation that we had a long time ago about eco anxiety. Remember, mm. Being, so, it was you, Jen, and someone else. But um, eco anxiety is a thing, and one of the solution because typically
0: mm.
4: the the kind of thinking that makes you surrender and believe that there's nothing you can do to mitigate climate change, it's very much linked to eco anxiety. And so one of the solution is to Take action is to go outside yeah. and the other thing is to take action is that when you don't do some anything, you're just passive and you just you know it just let things you don't you lose direction and that increases it feeds the anxiety
0: yeah i I think this is this is a very beautiful way to um wrap up this <laughs> um <laughs>
4: Because Circle? well, that's or, I said. Okay, I said rap. Uh, to I a mean, <laughs> snail. It's not snail at all, but I said snail.
0: Uh, yeah, uh, we we should drop. Right, we should drop. It for us. We should drop an album or a single or something. I think we're we're getting there soon. Um, <laughs> but yeah, happy to happy to. <laughs> but but I think it's a great. This is a great one to end with. Because um, I saw a reel on Instagram, and the person was saying that people can be extremely productive when they find purpose when you give them something to work towards and something to do. It's like if you pick a miserable person and give the person a goal to achieve something the person finds true and um interesting yeah. to do you would be amazed that they would crawl over glass just to get it done so i think it might apply a little bit here um when when the feeling of hopelessness or doomism sets in it's probably okay just like you said Liki, to take an action and not just take action but consider things. And see that, well, maybe it's not that bad. And look around and ask questions like, what can I do and what can I do now? And like Seth would usually say, who's coming along with me? Can I bring someone along? Can I be committed to something that sort of makes a change? And when we're committed to things, it can grow. It can grow because whatever we pay attention to actually grows. So... It starts like that. I was I was in the Carbon Almanac one day, not knowing very much about climate change, and I've moved from that to delivering keynote sessions and workshops or, well, sessions, let, let's just put it, about climate change, and podcasting about it about every week and taking my plate to the eatery each time I go to buy food because I don't want plastics. <laughs> They've laughed at me so much. When they see me now they're like, "Oh, that's the guy that always comes with his plate." So what I took weapon. my plate to the restaurant and the security wouldn't let me in with it. He's <laughs> like, "What what are you carrying, sir?" I'm like, "Well, that's my plate and I'm about to buy food." <laughs> so, and and the manager was looking from across the the counter and then she walked <laughs> to the door and was like, stop harassing my customer and then she picked me from the door and and the guy never stopped me ever again and each time they ask me what is why is it so like it's it's cheap to buy the plastic what why are you bringing your plates and costing yourself extra money it's an opportunity to tell them and i always do that what i start with is that do you know that plastic stakes about one million years to decay or to decompose, and there's a shock on their face. They're like, what, really? I'm like, well, yeah. That spoon you're holding, if it finds itself in the ground, will be there until your great, 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 great grandchild is born, and maybe even be there longer. It's like, and it's hurting. It's hurting the ecosystem. It's hurting the ground. It's hurting the environment. And, you know, they just sort of act like, oh, oh, oh well, what do you want to buy? <laughs> like, well, that's what I want to buy. But eventually, they're sort of learning as well, which is the most fun part of it. Start, like, start like teaching them and getting them to see that um, there's a lady that asked me one time. And then I think the other person was right beside her. And then rather than me saying it, she was the one saying explaining to her colleague because she she had heard it from me more and like over and over again and she was just she literally said it in my words and the other person was I was like oh okay and so it's sort of like that the change we make when we it wouldn't start at once but like committing to something progressively can be very very helpful and and help inspire hope as well
1: it's, it's not too late, and you're making a ruckus.
0: Oh, well, yeah.
1: Thanks
2: for listening. <laughs> that was fun. Thanks. That was wonderful. You've been listening to Carbon Sessions, a podcast with carbon conversations for every day, with everyone from everywhere in the world. We'd love you to join the Carbon Sessions so you too can share your perspectives from wherever you are. This is a great way for our community to learn from your ideas and experiences, connect and take action. If you want to add your voice to the conversation, go to thecarbonalmanac.org slash podcasts and sign up to be part of a future episode. This podcast is also part of the Carbon Almanac Network. For more information, to sign up for the emails, to join the movement and to order your copy of the Carbon Almanac go to thecarbonalmanac.org. Be sure to subscribe and join us here again as together we can change the world.